0: The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News
1: Talk. Children as young as nine are being regularly exposed to porn online. What should parents do to help their child who may have seen disturbing or sexually explicit content? And will the parent even know about it? Well, I'm joined in studio now by senior clinical psychologist and past president of the Psychological Society of Ireland, Dr. Anne Kyo. Anne, good morning and welcome.
0: Thank you, Pat.
1: Now, talking to various people around the place, um, including Garda corner they will tell us that really nine is really, if they get past nine, they've already seen porn.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a growing problem with access online and how content is delivered, if you like. So there are ways around, you know, they can maybe use a cartoon image or some other kind of way of sending content to children and young people. So it is a real issue.
1: Now, how do you know that your child has seen stuff or do you have to assume when they reach, as I say, the age of nine or 10 that they probably have? And how do you, how do you bring it up?
0: Well, it, it totally depends. I mean, it's really important that that kids understand that that this can happen, um, and that parents understand that it's likely to happen if you like the way content is delivered these days, and that having a conversation around it. So, so it should be. Hap- you should have a conversation before it ever happens about how sometimes images can come along on your screen, and that they, you may feel a certain way about them. They're certain they can be interesting. People may want kids may want to see more of that, but that if you feel strange about something, talk to your parents, and that it's okay. You're not in trouble.
1: Okay, that is uh, the difficult thing. If a kid, I mean, the different uh, the, the sense of danger, uh, the sense of excitement, possibly the sense of shame. I mean, all the different emotions, and every child might react differently.
0: Exactly, and kids want information. You know, they're, they're in the class and school and the cool kid is the one that has the information who's kind of telling the rest. So they want to understand. So so something new, untalked about, feels a little bold, maybe, it can be appealing. They can want to understand that. So they'll watch maybe some more or or click on it or whatever it might be. And then you're probably going to get in trouble. In the average house nowadays, you're going to get in trouble for doing that, truth be told. So then you have a problem if you're young because you don't want to get in trouble. And you kind of know maybe you shouldn't have clicked on that thing, um, so you don't tell anyone. And then time goes on, and you do it again and again because it's interesting, and you maybe you want to know what's happening. And then you have a different problem where, as you, as you say, Pat, the shame kicks in, and the I shouldn't do that, or I'll be in more trouble for doing it.
1: So the, the, there are a number of pressures. Number the one in the classroom, for example, or in the schoolyard, whatever it might happen, mm-hmm. um, that people want to share and if you say I don't want to look at that you're the one who's going to be ostracized for being whatever.
0: Yeah it's a very tricky position for kids because nowadays it ends up being a main source of information and we don't want that like it's very skewed unrealistic information about sex and relationships so what you what we want are we have to work hard to counteract that with good sex education not a one off talk, as we may have had when we were young, as if somehow that's going to solve all the problems, but actual kind of live conversation, as early as kids want to know certain things, you know, in age-appropriate ways, so that that all their information is not coming from one source, like the schoolyard.
1: Yeah. Now, we've been uh, talking this week about porn in a a series of uh, items, and one of uh, the problems is hearing from older people who are now adult about how, their healthy sexual development has been arrested by their exposure to to, to porn. Um, you know, it's a very difficult thing to navigate. How much information people want to know? I mean, nowadays uh, the baby just doesn't come from nowhere. People are told the baby's in the mummy's tummy, you mm-hmm. know, and that's and the baby will arrive. And we're all looking forward to it, and that's progress in a way from a time when the baby just mysteriously uh, appeared. But how much information and how soon? you give children and how do you tell them, look, what you're seeing online is, actually, it's not real.
0: Mm. It, it, it depends on the child, but I suppose what you want is kids who can come and ask, what does this word mean? And then you can give your answer. I mean, oftentimes, parents, these conversations are tricky for parents too, so you're maybe having them when it's late in the evening and, you know, someone is tired and they're just willing sure. to talk to you, or you're in the car on a long drive, they kind of have to be low key conversations where possible Um, and it's really about what parents are comfortable with but you have to push those limits a little bit into what does your child need to understand and your point is very fair Pat that you have young people who have a lot of exposure to intimacy from pornography and and not in real life so the expectations are completely different than when they are intimate in real life and it doesn't happen like it looks like on the screen and then they're used to what it looks like on the screen so so it can be very stunting if you like in someone's development and their in their relationships
1: mm-hmm. i mean even in uh, movies where they uh, show a love making between two of the actors um it's shot very nicely by and large mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah it, it is uh, in its own way it is conveying on screen what people might feel in their imaginations mm-hmm. but if you were to take your smartphone out and video the same thing in real life it would not be maybe quite as rose tinted or whatever
0: and we have to think about people's experience of that like so what happens if you have overexposure to to a certain version of unrealistic you know it's not how it is then that becomes your expectation in life but but we send it underground when we don't l- talk to people about it and parents are, are scared like it's it's not a nice thing to realise your child has seen these images or is actually seeking these images. That's not, they judge themselves for that. And I, I, my thoughts would be that we have to get past that and come from the kids' perspective. What does it mean for them? How does it feel? Yeah.
1: How do you encourage your kids to actually tell you that they've seen something that they're curious about and maybe they feel shame about? I mean, do you just say, look, if there's anything you see online, there's stranger danger, you know, someone uh, on a clip we played earlier in the week was saying, you know, why would we let a stranger into our home? But we do that when we give a child a smartphone.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's lots of ways to work with that as well. I'll just make an extra point there around like we can put controls on the kids devices, but putting the same controls on our own, on other devices, because they can hop on granny's computer or our own.
1: Uh, so it's devices. all the devices too. So It's all, it's
0: all the devices. So too, you take chosen. the
1: smartphone from, uh, from them when they're going to bed, for example. Mm-hmm. You say, OK, nine o'clock, give me your phone. But that doesn't mean that they don't have access in other ways.
0: It doesn't mean, yeah. I mean, you can look while someone's in the same room, you can look at something. It doesn't, it doesn't stop things. So we have to have the conversation. And you could
1: go into another room where there's a smart TV Mm -hmm. and go online, go onto YouTube.
0: So so, so the access is around. I mean, first of all, the controls. Second of all, the kind of parental controls and parents having conversations about this. So when you're, To get in trouble for this is really difficult. I mean, fair enough, you don't want your kids to do it. But if a child is feeling really guilty or chastised for this, then they won't tell you. It's very simple. Why would you? So so you have to have a space where you maybe have a free pass or whatever it is to say, whatever it is, you won't get in trouble. Please talk to me. It's almost more important than being in trouble.
1: Yeah. Um, then later on in the program, we'll be actually talking about disinformation and fakes on online and so on, and some of the greatest fakery will be to be found on porn sites. I'm sure. Um, some of the comments coming in. Why are we stepping around the issue of harm that smartphones do to under 13 kids? We need to make it illegal for smartphones to be registered to kids. This would be a game changer for our kids and for society. We apply age limits to alcohol, to cigarettes, etc. So get on with it. And this is Susan, who's working in the tech sector.
0: It's a fair point, although I, I can argue that, like, we have a phone. So, you know, we're modeling that interaction, if you like, with technology and, like, most parents are using a phone occasionally, their own phone for their kids, even if the kid doesn't own one. But yes, there, there, are, there is a yeah. need for control over the amount of time unprotected kids. Around. Yeah, and
1: how do you do this age verification? I mean, it's a big challenge for the tech sector. They don't want to have to go down the road because if they then offend inadvertently or whatever, they may face fines if there's a jurisdiction in place mm. about age registration. Uh, any parent who gives a nine-year-old an iPhone deserves all they have to deal with, says another.
0: I would probably argue that it's, it's complicated um, and people make their choices based on maybe where things are at. But yet an awareness around kids and technology is certainly needed and restrictions and and restrictions from the tech companies as well. This idea that they're just going to play nice is not a fair one.
1: Uh, How do you warn them off watching porn but not create a fear or shame around sex and pleasure?
0: There's such different things. Sex and pleasure is part of normal life, you know, like everyday life. You can have conversations about all of that. And then you can also have conversations about what porn is and how it's what it actually is, how it's quite unrelated to sex and normal life and all the rest of it.
1: Um, How upsetting or negatively impacting it can be if kids see this stuff. I assume that mine have not. But now I hear this, I wonder, how can I know?
0: Well, and there are varying degrees. I mean, if you think about what we know porn to be, it can be very extreme, a very misogynistic, very violent, very aggressive, or it can be, you know, a suggestive cartoon. You know, where someone's top is tightly on their chest and it's revealing. Like, it's it's overly sexually explicit for the child that the ad is popping up with. So it's got a fair gradient.
1: Um, this one, uh, once they have YouTube, they have access. We need to educate parents properly. And isn't that an issue that the kids are more tech savvy than the parents and there are ways around?
0: Mm-hmm. Truth be told, any app. I mean, if you were shopping on Amazon and you put in the wrong word or a word that you didn't mean to, you'll get all sorts of explicit content or any of the other online shopping platforms will give you, you know, suggestive pictures if you look for them. So so sexualized images are in a lot of places where we don't expect them to be and helping kids understand what that means or what it means if they've seen it, that it doesn't have to go underground. It's not bold. It's okay to be curious. It's okay to wonder.
1: Um, Another one. Will long-term use impact their future sexual and relationship understanding, as the man said on your Vox Pop, that it had harmed him into adulthood? And this whole question of, of, of impotence in the male who's been exposed to more and more graphic porn and normal sexual relations... Just can't function.
0: It can be harmful because it's around what what works to get you know what someone needs to help them in that situation. So if it's if it's very unlike re- real life, then that can be problematic. So yes, it can mm. be very harmful. Now,
1: someone looking for advice on what age before you get a smartphone, but as you pointed out, it doesn't have to be that smartphone.
0: Yeah, it doesn't have to be the child. The issue is not always the child owning a smartphone. The issue is that that the technology whatever website it may be, is in our houses, it's in our lives, it's on our phones. So it's not that they're, this doesn't only happen when a child owns a phone and they're alone in their bedroom. It happens in the mm. restaurant when you've given it to them for five minutes peace, you know.
1: Yeah. Or at the back of the car, you're driving Anything, along and exactly. they're quiet in the back of the car. Thank you very much. That's exactly. great. But exactly. in fact, what they're doing is uh, something you'd prefer they did not um, the, the the advice though is keep the lines of communication open that's it
0: exactly and have the like it shouldn't be one off talk it shouldn't be that a child feels they can't talk about this and if they make a mistake or start watching things like that they should be able to talk about that we can talk about anything as uncomfortable as that might be
1: Senior Clinical Psychologist and Past President of the Psychological Society of Ireland Dr anko and thank you very much for joining us